You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica, so... If that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 103. I think I got that. Your uh, less frequent programming of all things Jack, Tan, and Liberty. I got John Odermatt returning to the show with me. He was uh, in my first 20, if not the first oh, 10 wow. guests. Yeah. Yeah, dude. How you doing? Good to be back, man. I. I I didn't realize it was that long ago when we talked the first time, or maybe you're just recording a shit ton of podcasts. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And yes. Uh, for, I started back in October. I think you were on November, December and okay. I've done, you know, this is the hundred third that I've done. So I've been rocking and rolling nice. a little bit. And uh, after 100, I was kind of like, all right, we're going to just kind of take it a little easy. So, you know, as they schedule, they come out, and that's it, man. Yeah, that's that's the that's the game. I, I think I'm up to three hundred thirty mm-hmm. something. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, for, for I mean, for my like entire time podcasting, it's always been just once per week. I don't think I've ever done, except maybe around like different like LP events. Maybe I've done like like two in a week or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, it's, yeah, once a week, every week for the past freak god five years or something crazy yeah holy hell yeah i i can't even imagine what i'm gonna feel like when i've been doing podcasts for a year because it's only been about seven eight months for me now and it it just feels like the time just like gone Mm -hmm. in an instant yeah so uh the first time you were on we kind of talked about the uh, libertarian stuff and a little bit of your podcast as well. But uh, this time I was just on your show about a month ago now, which yeah, feels like it was just yesterday, but you know, that kind of shows how much shit's going on. Um, We didn't really talk about a lot of health stuff the first time you were on. So I figured I'd bring you back on. We could kind of shoot the shit about some of the uh, health stuff in your life. Cause um, I see you promote some of the, uh, I think it's like gut supplements and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And you're always posting up your runs. So uh, I was just kind of curious about your philosophy for health because you were a bigger guy too, at one point, correct? Yeah. So like, I, I guess I'll give you a quick backstory on me. So like when I was younger, I, I was always in, in pretty decent shape, played football growing up, lifted weights. Sorry to interrupt you, but you're like six foot eight tall too. <laughs> I, I didn't realize how tall you were until we hung out at the uh, LP convention. I saw you, I think at the uh, 
2021 and i'm like oh i think that's john and then we finally met and i'm like wow like i'm like 5 11 6 foot and i'm like <laughs> yeah i'm six at least i used to be six five i think i'm still six five about there but uh one right, of the tallest sorry. tallest libertarian podcasters yeah He's well i think tallest. yeah i think you might even have a few inches on dave smith because i think he's like six two six four something like that so yeah you, you, you might be there I think I've said this before, but Dave has me in arm length. If you look at the guy when he's up there at the podium giving speeches, I've got like monkey arms. Yeah, is anybody talking shit? You could <laughs> just slap him in the audience. It's good. It's good being a comedian. You can just talk back, just just slap him from the stage. Yeah, slap the uh, hecklers. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I'm sure, especially him. I'm sure he gets them. But yeah, uh, sure. yeah, I'm sure he can handle it. So, anyways, yeah, you were always uh, kind of a sports oriented person. Then uh, I think you were kind of getting that. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah, played football and basketball growing up and, and stayed in shape, was always very active. But like like most people back in the 90s, um, you just pretty I, – I mean, I ate pretty, pretty healthy considering the times. My mom was a health teacher and a physical education teacher. So we followed the, uh, you know, the, the food pyramid pretty much, like, you know, was it 15 servings of grains. And, yeah. Uh, but we, we ate pretty well, I mean, all things considered. I mean, I did, you know, have when I was in high school, if you're running late for, uh, you know, getting to school, you have a, a Pop-Tart or a, one of those uh, toaster strudels with the icing <laughs> on top. Um, but I was able to keep weight off because I was I was so active. You know, I didn't really, you know, didn't really gain a lot of weight back then. It was easy to control. And then I went to college and in college, you know, you start start drinking beer and uh, I, I kept working out. And things, my, my weight went up some, but it didn't, you know, it, it didn't get out of control or, or anything at that point. It was after college when, you know, you get that first job and you start getting in <clears throat> basically that sedentary lifestyle where, you know, you go to work. Um, even my first job, I, I was even on my feet a, a lot of the time, um, but just, um, I guess, getting older and my eating habits starting to catch up to me. Um, it just started to pack on the pounds and it happened so slowly that I'd never even realized it. Mm -hmm. Like when I was, you know, in my, in my prime, I guess, in high, in high school, I was, I was like 215, but I was, you know, I was a muscular 215. And uh, then as I gained weight, I got up at, at my heaviest, which was like three or four years ago, I was probably close to 250. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize like what it, that I was even that heavy and what it felt like to be that heavy until I started to lose the weight. And I was like, Holy shit. That was, I mean, it, you it really like just moving around, trying to play basketball, trying to go for a run. It made everything more difficult and the aches and the pains. And just like I've posted pictures, like my before and after, you know, from starting to focus on my health, starting to focus on working out more, t you know, really getting a solid supplement routine and just the inflammation in my face changed. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just remarkable. But that, I mean, that's, that's basically my, my story in a, uh, in a nutshell. And I mean, honestly, even since the last time I talked to you, like I've just kind of developed this attitude where I'm, I'm so fascinated by just learning more about um, supplements and the human body and the, the history of really how we've been lied to by our government and corporations mm -hmm. and seed oils and, and all this bullshit. And I'm all, I mean, it feels, it feels like I'm learning something new almost every single day. Yeah. And this is something that I've been incredibly passionate about. And it's funny that you said you got up to 250 pounds and you're, like I said, a decent bit taller than me. I was 250 at my heaviest. Right. And I didn't realize I always was under the impression, Hey, I'm 250 pounds, but I lift weights. Right. So I got to be healthy. So who cares? But I didn't realize the same deals. You aches and pains, inflammation, how fat my face actually was. I put up mm -hmm. old pictures of me on Twitter every here and there from uh, like when I was playing in some of the old bands I used to play. And I'm like, man, I was a fat ass. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's funny is that I lost that pretty much 70 pounds right now. I usually hover around 185 and, um, at 250 pounds, I'm, I was nowhere near as strong as I am now. Cause I'm, I'm a little bit, yeah, sorry. My internet, it's raining here and my internet can sometimes be a little shaky. I've been, it's been kicking me in the ass, but pretty much when I was 250, I thought I was healthy just because I worked out. And as it turns out, you, 
it's cliche, but you cannot out train a bad diet. And I think a lot of people kind of breeze past that. I, I had a coworker um, a couple of months ago telling me what the hell he say. He said, oh, well, you know, I feel like I can eat this Chick-fil-A because I work out, right? And meanwhile, he's got a gut that goes over his pants. And I'm not saying he's a bad person or there's anything in here wrong with him, but he doesn't understand how much better he could feel. So um, I guess to kind of tie that up with a question, was it kind of like a night and day thing after you lost weight, you realize like, holy crap, there's a huge disparity in how I feel now versus how I could feel? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was honestly <clears throat> adjusting my diet some and supplementing that after I lost, and the weight didn't like fall off for me, which is which is good. That's that's really the way you want to lose weight. You want to lose yeah. it slowly, slowly over time. Mm -hmm. And it was just as as the pounds started to come off, I just started to get more and more active again. And I started going back when I was working in the office. I, every lunch, you know, every lunch break, I, I would go to the gym. Um, you know, instead of going, you know, to you know, fast food or Chick-fil-A or Wendy's or something to, uh, to get food. And it, it just built up from there. And like, I, I grew up in an athletic family, but my sister was a, was a runner. She was on a D one scholarship to Auburn as for cross country and track. And I always thought, you know, being, being six, five, that, you know, you hear like, you're, you're too, you're too big to be a runner. You can't run. You're, you're, you're too big to, you know, actually go out there and run, you know, run more than two miles. So I was like, put these limits on myself that, you know, I, I'm just not the type of person that, that can run more than two miles because my legs would start to hurt. My Achilles would start to hurt. And uh, I noticed like after I, I changed my diet, I got things right and the weight was coming off. I, I forget, I honestly don't remember like what started it, but I was like, you know, I think I'm going to try running a little bit more. And uh, I just noticed that like, I didn't have any of the pains I used to have when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that was related to, to changing my diet and just not having that inflammation there because I mean, inflammation, of course, I mean, sometimes your body needs inflammation. It's the way, you know, fight infections and, and different things. All right. Unfortunately here in uh, the wonderful state of Pennsylvania, Southwestern Pennsylvania to be exact, we're having a little bit of connectivity issues. So uh, John was kind of going on about why inflammation is necessary. And I think a lot of people who, when they talk about inflammation, kind of miss this part too, because inflammation is the body's response to a certain stimulus. So when you have an infection or let's say you work out pretty hard, if you go for a long run and you're not used to it, then your body's going to need to inflame the muscles that you were using to encourage a stimulus to recover so so it's not always myopically focused on reducing inflammation you know if you have a joint or something that's inflamed then obviously you want to reduce that whatever way possible but um not all inflammation is bad and acute response isn't indicative of a long-term response either so mm -hmm. uh anyways you were saying yeah, I mean, you basically summed summed everything up there better than I could have myself using the the correct terminology. Um, uh, but uh, but but yeah, and so so I I didn't really realize that a lot of my problems when I was getting back into um, or previously before I lost weight and changed my diet and got got my supplements right, um, and I started running more and I realized you know. I was dealing with some, some chronic inflammation. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's something that a, a lot of people deal with. And I was just thinking about this today, like, um, and we've talked about before, like, you know, people, we follow influencers who are in the forties and fifties who, who work out and are just beasts, but it has become, I mean, it's always been like viewed as a normal type of thing. You know, you get over in your late thirties, you get in your forties, that, uh, you know, you, you getting up off the couch is hard, you know, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah. those, there's those, uh, you know, you see like, like re reels on uh, Instagram with like, you know, a dad getting off the couch, like, ah, you know, mm -hmm. and, and his, his like wife, you know, doing the impersonations, a couple of those are pretty funny I've seen recently, but yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's how normalized that, that shit is. And it's normal to age in like, just a just a beat up way. And that's, that's not how our bodies are, are made to age, you know, it goes, is go, it goes back to um, what we were talking about before with like how just screwed up the American diet has become. And sure you, you can blame government somewhat. And of course they, they, I mean, they have plenty of fault in it, but I mean, also these, these mega corporations that have really just taken advantage of people and have, you know, really just, I mean, there's whole think tanks and whole 
tremendous amounts of resources that go into just hijacking our palates with these just hyper palatable foods that get people addicted. I mean, uh, I think we might've talked about this when, uh, when you were on my show, but you look at like with like baby formula, they put high fructose corn syrup in (laughs) baby formula. Mm -hmm. It's and it's, it's criminal, man. I mean, it is, you get, you get this, this hyper sweet taste that they hijack the palate at that early age. Then you look at all the, the, fruit drinks and all the all the all the crap that you know that they force on kids growing up it's it's freaking criminal behavior and we're seeing it in i know we're seeing it manifest in young adults and uh you know people in their 30s and 40s who are dealing with diabetes and autoimmune diseases that you look at even a generation in front of us or two generations in front of us they had none of that so it's it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. They told us to take away all the butter because that was your grandmother's uh, cooking source or you know cooking oil, and then start yeah. using different you know cottonseed, rapeseed, and different seed oils Mar- to cook margarine. Stuff. Right. Yeah, like this stuff is not meant for human consumption, and they yeah. demonize fat. And then basically now, if you see low fat on almost any container, that's almost synonymous with high sugar because fat Mm -hmm. is the most um flavorable of the macronutrients so you take that out what do you replace it with and if you want to do a low fat diet that's okay but once again what are you replacing it with are you going to replace it with a ton of sugar and you know highly processed carbohydrates then you're not making a good switch. And we know that animal products are incredibly important for a human diet. And those have been largely vilified over the last, you know, almost a hundred years. They're incredibly satiating and their macronutrients are very, very um, well assimilated to our bodies. Same deal with the amino acids and everything. But that's been like the first thing that is demonized the most. It's so ingrained in our culture to think that that steak right there is going to give you a heart attack. It's, it's mind boggling to me. Yeah, and it, it's hard to get past that. And mm-hmm. I, I interviewed a, uh, a, a doctor a couple of weeks ago on my show, Dr. Thomas Hemingway mm-hmm. has a really cool uh, podcast called The Modern Medicine Movement. I really highly recommend checking it out. Um, but we'll dive in and just, and just, and just take, these, you know, take these individual issues. And I was just listening to his recent podcast talking about um, soybeans and really the, the problem the problem with this uh, you know this soy um, infiltration into into U.S. diets, which really started back in like the I think the 90s, maybe late 80s, um, it's not really the soybean itself. I mean, if you're eating edamame um, it's, itself, if you if you if you're eating the the actual you know the actual soybean, or if you're eating like it in miso soup where it's been, you know, um, sort, sort of broken down and made into, you know, almost like probiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's totally fine, but it's this like highly processed soybean oil and uh, all these other things that are just all over the, the U.S. diet. I mean, mm-hmm. I, think, I think the soybean, soy is the fourth most consumed, um, which would be, I think the top three would be wheat, corn, Mm-hmm. And God, what's the third? I'm forgetting. Um, wheat, corn. Anyway, um, that that those make up more than fifty percent of the American diet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And one thing that um, you touched on this a little bit earlier with the uh, baby formula stuff, but uh, I, I did this calculation a couple of weeks ago, and I put out the tweet, and um, a lot of people seem to like it. But when you look at a can of Coke, right, that is 140 calories. You could eat a pound of strawberries for that, right? How, how long would it take you and how full would you be if you ate a pound of strawberries versus what's mm-hmm. the satiation and the nutrients that you get from drinking a Coke, right? Yeah. And we wonder why everybody is so obese because you'll never be full drinking a 140 calorie Coke versus strawberries, which are very, you know, they're full. It's basically just water and fiber and they taste great, but- you know, once again, nobody's going out of their way to eat strawberries. Everybody's drinking these Cokes, these two liters of pops full of high fructose corn syrup. And they're, it's just not satiating, but you're adding on so much extra energy in your diet without getting anything for those, for that energy. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's a huge, huge problem. And no one ever really seems to kind of focus on that. And it's just like the process, the processing of foods that make them so easy to consume is such a 
big issue. That's a really, really great point comparing, mm-hmm. you know, drinking a can of Coke to eating, you know, a bunch of fruit and looking mm-hmm. at the calories. I mean, personally, I think, and I know people have success with counting calories and, and yeah. you know, really zeroing in on their macros. For me, I don't look at calories at all. Sure. I mean, I'll look, I'll look a little bit, you know, I, I try to consume, you know, 120 grams of protein and maybe a little mm-hmm. more than that per day. Um, it's something that recently my wife started focusing on more and it's helped her a lot too. Um, and I, I mean, I just don't see like really the benefit in counting calories just for that reason you're talking about, because what is, you know, what is in the calories? What what are the uh, macro micronutrients that are making up those calories? And then when you get down to it, burning calories, I mean, our bodies burn calories very differently. I mean, Mm -hmm. somebody who's in very poor metabolic health, who's, you know, maybe overweight um, or, you know, maybe they're eating, maybe they're on a very calorie restricted diet and it has their metabolism really lowered down Mm -hmm. and they're not just going to burn calories the same way that somebody who's in good metabolic health is going to burn calories. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that's tied into it when it comes to, to gut health and, and, you know, how your body is actually um, processing what you eat and how nutrients are being absorbed Mm -hmm. Um, just to zero in, in on calories to me. And, you know, I'm sure there's somebody, you know, with, degrees that could come on and explain to me why calories matter and I, I'm wrong. And they might have some, some great points, but yeah. to me, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. And, and there's nothing wrong with viewing that at all. And I didn't count for a long time. Um, I just have specific physique goals and I like to try to include some stuff that um, may be a little bit more calorically dense to, you know, have a little bit more leeway because I found, and I think I spoke about this a little bit when I was on your show, um, when I did carnivore, the problem was is that I would binge, right? Because I'd be so restrictive. And then when it was time to let loose, I let loose. So I find that if I can have, you know, maybe something here or there and not like I'm gorging on cheesecake every night, but, you know, let's mm-hmm. say maybe something sweet, just every here and there sprinkled in throughout the week, it's a lot more sustainable for me. And it keeps me in a little bit better of a headspace than just, keeping everything out of there. And once again, that's just for me. I never try to boil diet down to this is the one size fits all approach, because I think we all know there is no one size fits all approach for diet. But I think we, we all generally agree that you should probably try to include as many whole foods as possible, get rid of the freaking seed oils, get rid of the processed fats and processed carbohydrates. And you'll probably be a majority of the way there. Um, So I guess that was a good segue, though, into your focus on the gut, because this has been something that I try to put my finger on every here and there, but there's like so many different strings to pull on. And it's such an interesting thing because your gut is more than just like the foods that you eat and the bacteria that develops. It also affects how your brain works, um, Mm -hmm. where inflammation may be channeled to your body. And there's just so many different cascading things that um, even a lot of the literature doesn't really bear out yet, but it, it's a whole like undiscovered field that really fascinates me. So I guess uh, let's start off with what kind of got you interested in understanding the gut and kind of diving into uh, that. It, well, I, th- I think going all the way back to like my initial interest in really supplements where we're kind of kind of shifted to gut health started with uh you ever listen to tim ferris yeah so a little bit tim ferris he's he has a huge massive podcast but he wrote the four hour work week and the four hour body um which really it's just it's just breaking down you know simple ways to uh i think i think the diet he used was called like slow carb um but he actually what i got into first through him was not like uh not full keto, but I got into just drinking bulletproof coffee every morning mm-hmm. and uh, noticing the difference of how that made me feel in the morning. Because I used to be someone who would drink coffee and pour a bunch of sugar in it. And <laughs> uh, you have this huge, huge up and, and then you come crashing down. Um, so, so that just got me interested loosely in just like optimizing your health through supplements. And then um, my sister who, you know, growing up with her our whole lives, um, she always struggled with IBSD. So, you know, you go out to a restaurant and she would always be running to the bathroom 
before, you know, we get in the car to go home. And um, it, I mean, it's, it's, you can't, I think people who struggle with that, they, they kind of get used to it and they build their life around it. I know a right. lot of people who you know struggle with it and it's just, it just becomes a part of who you are. And there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, but she tried so many different things um, in order to, you know, just make this, reduce the symptoms in order to help it. She tried going full gluten-free. Um, she tried cutting out dairy. Um, she tried different probiotics. Um, and then she found a, a probiotic um, that her neighbor across the street was using, which is, which is the one that I use now. And the, her neighbor actually just gave her a bottle and was, she was like, you have to try this. Like, I know it's going to help you. My sister's like, what, whatever. And uh, so she ends up, she takes the whole bottle throughout the month and she didn't like, it's not like something we realized like a day or day or two after there's a difference. She realized we just went out to dinner and I didn't have to run to the bathroom. So something's changing. And that just continued. And essentially today she has no symptoms of, uh, of IBS. And I mean, I've, I've been lucky. I've never had to deal with, uh, with IBS, but when I saw, you know, that change able to occur through essentially just taking a supplement. And I talked about before my sister, someone who, um, you know, has always worked out. She's a runner. She eats really well. And kind of what you were, we were talking about before where, um, just because someone looks like they're in shape, um, doesn't necessarily mean that internally, like everything's right. Um, right. different things, you know, contribute to that, contribute to that. But, um, I think what it comes down to, and then, you know, once I got on that same gut health regimen, that's really what kicked off for me, my weight loss journey. Um, and I think the key difference in the probiotic that, that I take and other probiotics is would you, I think a lot of people view probiotics as just a numbers game. Well, let's just throw all, all this stuff down the hatch and hopefully some of this good bacteria sticks. <laughs> yeah. And this probiotic has an, en an enzyme in it called Cheetosinase, which actually eats away at the candida in your gut. Candida is something that everybody has. It has a purpose. The purpose of candida is when you die, um, it helps your body to decompose. The problem is with our Western diet and sugar and all the crap we eat and artificial sweeteners, um, for a lot of people, it, it gets out of control. And I think, I think one of the reasons why like elimination diets work so well in the beginning, especially is because that candida gets kind of starved out. Um, but unless you're doing an elimination diet like that, it's really hard to, you're not just going to get rid of candida just by throwing, um, a ton of probiotics at it or, you know, or by throwing a ton of probiotic rich foods at it, you might feel a little bit better, but, but you're not going to feel a difference until you really clean that out. And the other thing that goes with a, uh, a probiotic that has an enzyme like that is supplementing with enough magnesium that is going to pull water into your digestive tract to clear all that crap out of there. And I mean, I'm not talking about like colon cleanses and that type of stuff. I mean, yeah. maybe some people need that, but I think the vast majority of people do not, do not need to go that route. Um, but most people are deficient in, in magnesium. And I mean, there's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, I'm trying to remember the article I was reading recently. There, there is, there is a, um, a way that vitamin D and the lack of sunlight ties into our ability to absorb enough magnesium. I'm not going to try to speak on it because I can't remember the article exactly. But I mean, I, I would say th those are two of the most important things that I think have helped me and help a lot of people is a probiotic that actually attacks candida. Um, one that is actually going to get to, to your digestive tract. And it's not going to be killed by your stomach acid. I think like a lot of the refrigerated probiotics um, probably don't even make it down to your gut um, because they have to be refrigerated. So what's going to happen when they go in your body? Uh, you know, your body's 98 degrees. A lot, a lot of them are going to die. Bacteria is going to die. Yeah. So it, yeah, then the third thing would be, you know, supplementing with magnesium, which I, I mean, I think everybody should do that. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is that uh, I'm currently cutting down body weight 
And I had uh, recently started supplementing with vitamin D, also uh, conjugated linoleic acid, fish oil. And I do have like scallops and shrimp and some seafood pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. But honestly, since I'm supplementing with all this stuff and getting on a good supplement regimen, um, I I do feel notably better. And especially, you know, just as well as I do here in Pennsylvania, we like never see the sun for about six months Mm -hmm. out of the year. And it, it, it sucks because there's, for me, I know when I'm in Florida or when it's a beautiful day outside and I go outside in a tank top, shorts, kind of like I'm wearing now, and the sun's beating on my skin, I just always feel happy no matter what. It's like yeah. impossible for me to feel down. But that's because your body's, you know, develop, you're taking in vitamin D. So it's so important. And I, I some people I think get the wrong idea about supplements and it's not that that should be the entirety of your existence and the entirety of mm-hmm. your diet. You should get a lot of stuff from your diet, but you know, in situations like ours where we don't get enough sun and vitamin D may be important. Um, I don't, I've always heard you should supplement with magnesium and honestly, I'm not that well educated on the importance of magnesium, but it's something that I guess I should read up on a little bit more, but um, yeah, it's amazing how much stuff we miss in our modern day diet. Um, and especially because we have this huge plant-based push, um, people are lacking B12, um, people are lacking vitamin D, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people have low iron issues. So, and those things can be solved largely by eating animal products. And, you know, I, once again, I want this podcast to sound like we're trying to shove supplements down people's throats or we're yeah. trying to encourage them to do any specific diet. But like, these are things to consider that have largely been kind of hidden from the mainstream narrative surrounding your health. Yeah. And I mean, I, I definitely feel the pain, obviously being Western PA with uh, not seeing the sun, but we, we have been lucky like the past past month or so have, mm-hmm. it's been amazing weather for, for Western PA this type mm-hmm. this time of year. It's been some hot days, but uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take that over 50 degrees and raining all the oh. time. But I mean, I, I, I think that a lot of this stuff I kind of talked about at the, at the top, I'm learning more every day, but I think a lot of this stuff is, is tied together. Wherein like you look at people using sunscreen and sunblock, mm-hmm. um, people seem to burn so much easier. And we're, we're told it's because the ozone layer is thinner. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that or not. Um, I think, I think it has more to do. <laughs> yeah. It is more to do with using this sunblock and we're, we're shielding our, our, our skin from, really learning how to, how to tan, right. um, get, get, I mean, starting small with, with exposure. If you're in Western Pennsylvania in the spring, you know, getting 10 or so minutes a day and, and building up from there, but also, yeah, like, like things like, yeah, being low in vitamin D there, there is a, a interaction between um, vitamin D um, in the body and, and cholesterol. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I don't, I mean, this is an, I'm going to cite another article I read, which I can't remember, but there's something, there is a, a, a relation, a correlation between using statin drugs to lower cholesterol mm-hmm. and then get, getting sunburned more easily. And honestly, I've seen it happen oh. with, with my dad. My dad oh. is someone who like growing up, he was a guy that never, ever sunburned. He was just someone that was whatever, go out, he'll be tan. I mean, he'll just go directly from pale to, to tan. Um, then as he's gotten older and he had a, he had a heart scare a couple of years ago and they put him on statin drugs, we go to the beach now and he's like the reddest guy on the beach. And it's like, he's, he's changed. Wow. He hasn't changed his diet really. I mean, he eats a little differently because of the, uh, the heart problems. He eats a little bit, a little bit better. Um, but he's still, he's still kind of following the, the uh, old advice of cardiologists where they you know, tell you to avoid mm-hmm. med re- red meat, red meat, <laughs> red meat. <laughs> Red yeah. meat and uh, and you know and, and salt and all that all that stuff, but um, it's it's crazy. And I think a lot a lot of this stuff is is tied together. And I wonder how much of it is is intentional just to make us less healthy. Yeah, I I sometimes think that there truly is malicious intent behind it because red meat is one of the most satiating, satisfying, and delicious foods there is, and we've been eating it for um, you know 
thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I don't, I, I don't know if we talked about this when I was on your show, but uh, I'm a big fan of this gut brain hypothesis where um, just to kind of break it down real quick in case anybody's not aware of what it is. Basically um, when we learn to cook foods and when we also learn how to develop like hunting tools, um, we actually started to sacrifice. Um, we, we got rid of the gut the distended belly that you see a lot of apes have, we sacrifice all that stomach for brain because it's similar tissue. And because we were able to cook and eat meat and digest those, we didn't need all the gut to ferment the different fibers and grasses and plants and stuff like that to get fats out of the plant material. Um, we were able to eat meat and therefore we learned to stand upright and we got more brain rather than gut. So um, I'm a big fan of the hypothesis. And to me, it makes sense. And I'm, you know, obviously it's just a hypothesis at this point, but um, to me, it stands to reason, especially when you consider the physiology of how the amino acids in meat play very, very well with our body because it's one of the most bioavailable um, sources of protein to us mm -hmm. behind um, eggs and whey. So yeah, I do believe there is a degree of um, intention behind telling people to go plant-based and low fat. And I'm not necessarily saying everybody should go keto and carnivore, but mm -hmm. I don't think people should get rid of animal foods. And I don't think high blood pressure and high cholesterol is the lack of a statin right <laughs> it's it's other yeah. life factors that are causing that well it's it's scary because you, you'll, you'll hear i've heard doctors say well they should just put statin drugs in the water and, yeah i mean you know that that would that'd be, be a quick way for me to just stop drinking tab water altogether mm -hmm. i probably should anyway but who knows what the hell else is in our water <laughs> but it's probably in the bottled water too so i i, I don't know what you do you gotta yeah. somehow find your own source of water spring water the world this is the world we're coming to yeah um but yeah, and this, just to touch on what you were talking about, we said, yeah, I, I want to, I mean, I want to make this point as well. Like, yes, supplements, I do believe supplements are needed, but mm -hmm. I mean, first, I mean, first and foremost, yeah, get as much as you can from whole foods mm -hmm. and even just the process, like, and I've gotten more into this over the past year, even just the process of doing that, you know, like in the middle of the day, if I needed a snack where, you know, maybe I used to go to a bag of pretzels or you know, some sort of what's supposed to be a, you know, healthy protein bar or something, which really they, they honestly don't exist. Um, if you actually make the effort and you go and you get an apple, you get some nuts, you get some cheese. Um, I mean, number one, you're not going to be hungry anymore. It, I mean, it's, it, you're going to, you're going to be satiated and, uh, and your body's, you're going to feel better. You're not going to have a, a spike in a crash and, and your body's going to, going to learn, um, going to really learn to desire those foods. And that's one of the thing I was talking about uh, Dr. Hemingway, having him on, uh, on my show a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the gut brain access and mm -hmm. how really like there's bacteria in your gut, bad bacteria that is fed by, you know, these foods like eating Doritos and junk food <laughs> that it'll send signals to your brain to say, send me more of that junk food um, so, so, so they can proliferate more. And if you start to, you know, starve out that junk food, starve out the, the bacteria that's fed, you know, by artificial sweeteners or, or sugars or, or whatever, and, and you start feeding the bacteria with real food, maybe you're someone, and this is, I mean, I have this discussion with my wife all the time because, you know, she's, you know, she doesn't like vegetables as much as I do. So leave it at that. Uh -huh. But I'm like, well, you need to kind of, you need to start eating some of these things and your body will kind of it'll start to crave it and it, it's crazy that's how it works and even like with little kids if you can get like my daughter she'll eat anything because we've always just fed her everything we've never you know put it out there like you know we've never made like eating you know broccoli different than eating um rice like we never put like a, a bad spin on, on on eating vegetables or eating mm -hmm. or like you know trying to frame it up to the kid just just eat this much more and you can get this treat where it's like mm -hmm. you just eat it because that's what you're supposed to eat. Um, I, I think that is, is a good path forward. And to kind of close, close this, uh, this circle here on supplements, supplements fill the gaps because due to, you know, farming techniques that maybe have been successful in creating a shit ton more food in that way. Um, I, I think we could argue on, even if that's really necessary, um, not me. I think you and I would agree. I think we could argue yeah. with other people, but, uh, 
but because of these farming techniques, like the nutrients in fruits and vegetables, and then, you know, obviously we're feeding it to, to cattle, it's, it's, it's dropping the nutrient uh, potency of, of our food down. So mm-hmm. if you compare like eating an apple from like the 1940s to an apple today, it might have 10% of the same nutritional value. And I mean, you're not going to go out likely and it's probably not very appealing to do. You're not going to eat 10 apples. So yes, eat eat the apples, still continue to eat apples. I mean, you're still getting good, you know, quality nutrition from it. Um, But there's, there's going to be gaps that that need to be filled by, by supplements. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And um, you should always try to go for the most sustainably um, raised foods, right? You want to avoid the stuff that's been sprayed with the atrazine or um, the Roundup. Um, You want to go for grass-fed, grass-finished meat. And not that I think grain-fed is necessarily bad, but um, the fatty acid profile inside grass-fed, grass-finished meat is going to be a lot better. And kind of to what you were saying earlier, when you eat more natural foods, you're going to crave more natural foods. And I definitely found that when I was carnivore, that when I ate meat, I tended to crave more and more meat, right? And um, as I've reintroduced fruits and different stuff like that, I found that I have a craving for those as well. And a fun fact about oranges as well, and why i love oranges so freaking much they're actually one of the most satiating foods out there and you look at just a regular orange if you grab something like that rather than going for a sugary pop or you know the thing of pretzels it has a very unique taste and it's very filling and it's not you know this it's not going to give you this ridiculous spike in blood sugar because there's enough fiber in it but I, I just, I don't know, I love eating fruits. And it's something that I largely missed when I was eating carnivore. And this is why I try to tell people don't do carnivore. And if you don't want to do keto or you don't think it's going to be sustainable, don't do that. Because fruits and vegetables are a very, very great part of the diet that I don't think people should avoid just because they're scared of bumping up their insulin or they think carbs are bad. So that's kind of where I think some of like the keto zealotry goes wrong like I said, these foods are very, very great foods and they're very nutrient dense and they're very satisfying. And not only that, food is meant to be enjoyed, right? We're supposed to sit down with those that we love and enjoy a meal and put the phones away. And I'm just guilty of not doing this as anybody else. But um, I really like what you said about eating with your daughters that you don't tell her, eat this so you can have this. You just say, you know, you sit down and you enjoy the food with her and you don't try to teach her any necessarily um, bad food habits, or at least it's kind of what I'm understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and another thing, um, just if more people would learn how to cook, you talk about enjoying <laughs> yes! sitting down with your family. Uh-huh. And I mean, that's something we've done with our daughter. I mean, incorporate, I mean, and she loves being in the kitchen. She loves helping mm-hmm. out. And she's actually, you know, getting decent with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we have a garden and, you know, she's six years old now, almost seven. But when she was like four years old, she'll be, you know, tasting the, the herbs in the garden and being mm-hmm. like, oh, this is basil. And it's like, when, when you're a little kid starting to learn, learn the tastes of food and um, we'll just like let her experiment with stuff too. And it might taste like garbage, but you know, that's, that's how you start to learn, you know, yeah. you, you develop your palate and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if more people cooked, I mean, that's one thing that, I was kind of hoping that when we had this, you know, these lockdowns that more people would develop that, but I don't think that really happened. I mean, I think a lot of people just ordered out and I I don't understand why people just are afraid to really try to cook. I've never really been able to really put my finger on, I guess it's just watching learned behavior. Maybe they had parents that couldn't cook. Um, But it's, it's just something that I think it's, it's great you know, number one, as a family to learn how to do that together. Um, and you see where your food comes from, you see what you're putting in your food. Uh, I just think it's a, it's a great value-based thing to be doing. Yeah. And the, kind of like you were saying there earlier, your daughter really enjoys being in the kitchen and cooking with you guys. And I find that with my fiance and I cook stuff together, that's a very enjoyable experience. And just saying that you would be like, you guys enjoy cooking together, but like when 
you make a beautiful dish of something that you've been thinking about all week and you get to sit down and enjoy it and maybe have a glass of whiskey or maybe a little bit of wine or, you know, just something that you both made together and being able to sit down and enjoy that is just a very, very wonderful experience. And I truly do think our bodies are kind of wired for that sort of experience that we're supposed to sit down and enjoy food in the presence of others. Cause we are tribal creatures and mm -hmm. we do like being around other people. So um, I think having healthy habits around eating is a very, very good thing as well. And like I said, it kind of seems like you employ that behavior in your own life and with your family. Yeah, and it's it's not like we we don't ever go out to eat. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, but you notice a difference. Like honestly, like once you start to like wean off going out to eat more, and you do go out, mm -hmm. and you and you maybe you do get you know something that's that's fried, and who knows what it's fried in? It's probably <laughs> fried in some terrible stuff. Yeah. When you eat it, you you, you feel a difference. But mm -hmm. I, I think that's kind of the first step to to really you know taking ownership of you know, what goes, what goes in your body and just, just starting to, to understand how food makes you feel is just the next time you go out to dinner, just think about like, um, you know, before that meal, how excited you are, think about what you ate and think about how you, how you felt after and compare that to cooking for yourself at home, at, at home. Um, it could, I mean, even just, it, it could be a, a simple, you know, simple lunch that you make. I, I know you make a, a lunch pretty much every day that you, that you have at work, like uh, bison mm. meat or, or beef, but <laughs> yeah. the difference when you feel, I'm sure you feel great after eating mm -hmm. that Yeah, and uh, it, it powers you through the, through the day. So, I mean, I think people get overwhelmed. I, I was talking to, to someone recently on Twitter. Um, they were commenting on one of my podcasts and they were saying, you know, that, that they've realized that they need to start, you know, taking some things more seriously with what they put in their body and people get overwhelmed. Like they have to change everything overnight right and I, I mean that's i honestly think that's like the worst thing you could from my perspective right. I'm sure for some people it works to do a crazy diet like that but uh, i think for a lot of people i mean just making small changes even, even before you change what you're eating just start looking at the label of ingredients mm -hmm. just start looking at it google them look them up what is this what does it do what's happening um, and as you start to learn you'll be like why, why the hell am i eating this shit why am i putting this in my body why is this in here Mm -hmm. Who decided to put this in here? This is terrible. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I would make my fiance coffee on some mornings, and we would get the uh, Starbucks white macchiato chocolate coffee creamer. And I remember one of the first ingredients on it is soybean oil. It's like, why can't? Why is that in there? Why do you have to have soybean oil in coffee creamer? Why can't it just be like milk? And, and I mean, she's not as health conscious as I am, and that's fine. I'm not dogging her for anything like that but like why can't it just be like milk sugar flavoring and, and that's it why, why do you have to put so soybean oil on there and if you have to have some kind of oil why couldn't it be like coconut oil avocado oil some less bad you know some not so junk oil because avocado oil is not that bad coconut oil is not that bad even like you know butter and stuff like that i don't think it's all that bad or most of the animal fats when you start getting into these machine lubricants which is what they are um it's like why the hell are you putting this shit in your body this isn't meant for you to eat well it's funny when you say that with calling them machine lubricants that just kind of mm -hmm. like made a light bulb go off i remember hearing an interview um, oh God, what's, uh, Tom, the heck's his last name, Tom something. He's, he's, uh, one of the founders of the, you know, the quest bars. They have the uh, Tom bars. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Bill. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about when they were starting that company. And I, honestly, I, I used to eat quest bars all the time. I'm not a big fan of them anymore because I try to avoid sucralose and maybe sucralose in almost all of them. Mm -hmm. But he was talking about in order to even just make those bars without high fructose corn syrup, um, they had to build all new machines because wow. in order for the, like the consistency of the bar to be able to like, even like form into a bar, it had to have like so much of this junk into it. So e even to, to change it out to, to that degree, to remove a lot of that junk, the, the machines they could buy, or maybe, you know, a lot of these bars are made, like these companies were, you know, share a facility and just mm -hmm. pump it out and put their branding on. Yeah. Um, they had they had to change the machinery. They had to, they had to like recreate the whole process on how you make a protein bar. And I, I wish they would do it again with, with without sucralose. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, it's 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 just one of those things. Like, why is this stuff in here? Well, maybe one of the reasons it's in some of this stuff is for, 
for machine reasons for lubrication purposes. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, you know, I actually never thought about it that way either. Um, Nina Teichels is one of the people I used to listen to a lot. And um, she was the one that kind of put that idea in my head that these vegetable oils literally are machine lubricants. That's what they were used for before mm -hmm. they were put into our foods because they figured out, oh, well, this has similar texture and consistency as butter. And we have all this machine oil from using it machines. Well, why don't we just start selling it to people? So voila, you got Crisco now. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Because I got a few questions. I, for that you. just this made me think of something. Like you, oh, yeah, God, yeah. you were you were, you were you were talking about the coffee creamer, and you know I'm sure they're pumping it through tubes to put it in the bottles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe it makes it flow better through the tube with that soybean <laughs> oil in it. Honestly, that's the type yeah. of shit that that they're feeding to us, and it's mm -hmm. a reason so their so their process works better and maybe saves them more money. And we could get on a rant about capitalism and why that type of stuff happens and how mm -hmm. really more free market capitalism could solve that problem. But uh, that's that's maybe an episode next time yeah. down the road. Yeah, dude, I got you. Yeah, and I, I completely agree because people, like I said, people should not be eating this kind of stuff. Um, so I guess uh, what would be kind of like maybe two or three things that you would recommend to anybody who's just looking to get started on improving their health. Uh, and let's just say you're literally taking just an obese person who just eats whatever's put in front of them, but they're willing to start making some small changes. What would you tell that person to start improving their health? I would tell them to listen to this podcast. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I'll be right under this beard here in a minute. <laughs> Seriously, that, that, I mean, I, I think one thing is to educate yourself, you know, be it listening to podcasts like this. Um, just like I talked about before, it's kind of in that same vein, it's just starting to understand what's in your food, looking at labels, starting to ed educate yourself on. Uh, what some of this stuff is. Um, and then kind of the second step to that is just like take take one meal a day. Let's make one meal a day something that is whole foods. Or maybe you pick one day or two days a week where you eat nothing but but whole foods. It, it can be really challenging to do. So maybe it's easier to start with with just the just the one meal a day for for some people. Um, you know what I like to do every morning I start with with eggs and an avocado most of the time, unless I don't have a ripe avocado, then the whole day's thrown off. <laughs> but <laughs> something as simple as that, or, or, or like something, you know, what you do Kyle with the, uh, you know, a lot of people like to meal prep. So you can, you can meal prep mm -hmm. a clean and healthy lunch of some, uh, some ground meat with some onions and peppers and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, I mean, the third thing is get outside, even just, you know, let, let, let the sun hit your body and also get some cardio in. Doesn't have to be running. Mm -hmm. um, you know, ideally you want to get to the point where you're doing some cardio, where you're lifting weights, but, but someone starting at zero, I mean, get outside, go for a walk every day. Doesn't have to be an hour long walk, walk for, you know, walk for 10 minutes. I mean, when I had COVID, was that three weeks ago, two weeks ago, mm -hmm. whenever that was, um, as soon as I felt, you know, good enough to get off the couch, which was like two days, it wasn't that long. I was like, I got to get outside. I got to get outside and walk. And I would just walk around my block. Just and just, I mean, how much better I felt after doing that. I mean, um, it, it was it was amazing uh, the difference that I made. So that's that's what I would suggest. Nice, nice, yeah. And I really couldn't agree with those uh, three recommendations anymore. Um, I'm a huge advocate for walking just because it's so low impact and so sustainable. And for me. Um, a lot of people like intermittent fasting and I used to do it. I no longer do it, but, um, getting a meal first thing in the morning, I think really sets my day personally, mm -hmm. it sets it off on the right foot. And I always try to get a pretty big meal because I, for me, at least I'm going to eat less throughout the day. If I get a nice big bolus of protein and carbohydrates and fats together, I really kind of have a, just a big meal of pretty much everything, whether that be like ribeye, a sweet potato or some peaches or, you know, some coffee with some good creamer in it or something like that. I try to get a decent meal in, in the morning, just because I feel like that's going to keep me more satiated throughout the day. And, you know, obviously your mileage will vary it, it, whatever works for you. If you're kicking ass, keep doing that. But um, as you kind of alluded to, you said your day's kind of off if you don't have ripe avocado. But yeah, I mean, if I don't have my meal like prepped and ready to go first thing in the morning, or like I can't cook my meal in the morning, I'm like, 
what the fuck's going on? Like this, I, I can't do this. So every single morning, even on weekend mornings, I'm still up at about five o'clock in the morning, whipping something up in the uh, kitchen. And uh, mm. w- when you get into the habit of it, it, it's like second nature. You don't even realize you're doing it. You're just there. And personally, you know, I love cooking in the morning. It's just me and the dogs hanging out and I'm making mm. whatever I'm going to make. Um, so uh, if you don't have anything else you kind of want to add on there, John, I'll ask you a few more questions. We can get on out of here. Sure, sure. Cool. All right, uh, John, what does liberty look like to you? Ooh, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think my definition of liberty, not the definition of liberty, but how you can attain liberty has changed in the past few years for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be a lot more focused on political means and, you know, we need to vote for this person or vote, vote for that person or do this or that. I I think a lot of, a lot of liberty and and freedom really comes from our own choices that we make. And, you know, a lot of people end up locking themselves in their own mental prison based on what they decide to do based on the job they take. You know, they end up, they're complaining about sitting in a cubicle for, for nine hours. I've, I've been there. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not criticizing anyone. I've, I've done the same thing. Mm-hmm. You're complaining about being in a cubicle for nine hours a day and you put yourself there. I mean, I, I, I made decisions that put me in that cubicle. Um, so figure out the, the life that you, that you want to have. And if the life you want to have is just sitting on a beach doing nothing, you might want to reevaluate why you want to have that life. And if you really want to have that life, because you probably don't want to have that life. You'll probably get sick of it um, pretty quickly without having any challenges or, or any obstacles to overcome. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I guess that's how I would define it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, what does health look like to you? Health is, I think, progress. Kind of what I talked about earlier in the show we're kind of sold this bill of goods that as we get older, we regress. Um, you know, I, I, I try to get better every day. Um, and I, I mean, I'm almost 40 years old. I'm 39 and I'm healthier now than I was, you know, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Um, every year I try to get healthier and obviously I'm going to reach a point where that's, you know, it's, obviously that's not going to continue. And it'll just be a battle with, you know, maintaining, um, you know, a healthy life within, you know, within the lifespan. But I I think it's progress. So many things, you know, they talk about with like depression and, you know, to kind of tie it back to what I was talking about being stuck in maybe a cubicle job that you hate. So many things in life, if you don't overcome obstacles, if you don't give yourself strenuous activities, if you don't, achieve things, you're going to feel stuck. And I think health is, is the same thing. If you're not challenging yourself and, you know, seeing a measurable difference in your performance, be it, you know, lifting more weight, be it, maybe it's, maybe it's number on a scale. Maybe it's, you know, a number of inches you want to lose around your weight. Maybe it's some amount of weight you want to lift. Maybe it's, it's just, you just want to, you just want to feel a certain way. Um, I think you got to be able to have some, some measure of progress in your life. All right. Well, yeah, that's a, a different answer than I was kind of expecting and different one that I've got from uh, anybody that I've asked that question to. Um, yeah. I really like that though. That's, you definitely need to be making progress towards something. And I definitely know for me right now, my main focus is uh, outside of politics as I was kind of talking about a little bit today on Twitter with one of your uh, show, uh, with one of the uh, fellows from Lions of Liberty. But yeah, my focus is so far outside of politics currently. And yeah, I may talk about political stuff, but um, no, I'm, I'm getting married in, a, uh, in five months. Jesus, five months. Um, I'm working on building a better body and putting up a little bit more weight. And I'm very, very happy at that. I'm working on building up this show. And uh, yeah, politics is an interesting conversation, but I, I don't think it's anything that we should completely staple our lives around. So I know it's a little bit of a side tangent, especially to health stuff. But um, yeah, man, uh, 
where can everybody find you? And uh, what do you got cool coming up in the uh, near future? Yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter at John Odermatt. You can find the podcast on the Lines of Liberty Network feed or on the, the Finding Freedom podcast feed. And, you know, as, as we've talked about a little bit, like the, my show has shifted almost entirely since I started it. It used to be all criminal justice. Um, and then, then recently, actually, when I had you on, Kyle, that was really the first show of kind of a shift towards health. It's, it's not exclusively health, but just kind of a shift to incorporating more, you know, talk about um, health and lifting weights and um, gut health and supplementation and eating whole foods. Um, but also um, on my show, I want to talk more about business, entrepreneurship, um, different things of that nature. So it's, it's just kind of tailoring the show to, to what I'm interested in, interested in what you were talking about, you know, um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a time and a place for politics, but it's, it's just not something that really lights me on fire at this, uh, at this moment. And to kind of tie into an episode that's coming up on my show, I don't know when this is going to air, but it's, mm -hmm. um, my show this week, which would be on June 9th. I am having on, uh, Michael Heiss, the founder of the Mises Caucus. Ooh. And it's already been recorded, and I think you all are going to find it pretty interesting. Uh, Michael really ends up saying that the thing that he thinks is going to be most important about the Mises Caucus, and I agree with him, is the community community that's built and the ability of that community to uh, decentralize and solve problems through decentralization, which I wholeheartedly agree with. And you know that's one of the reasons I support the Mises Caucus, um, even aside from political goals. Um, and I, I do, I mean, I, I, I disagree with some of their tactics politically. I agree with some of their tactics, but I think that community of like-minded people um, is just, is just so valuable. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely excited to check that out. Um, this will be airing uh, tomorrow actually. So that would be eight. So the day after that, um, everyone listen to this right now. Make sure you go check out that show. Um, Michael is a great guy. John's a great guy. And I really enjoy his show. And I really enjoy um, listening to Mike, especially when he's talking about the Mies Cocks and everything that's going on. Um, yeah, man, that's going to be an awesome show. But uh, it, it's it's good to see you guys at Lions of Liberty. And I just want to say this before we get off air and for everyone else to hear. But um, that you guys are kind of stepping away from political stuff. I know Brian still kind of talks about the mainstream news stuff, which is cool. And uh you know, whatever he wants to do there. And he also does like comedy stuff. But uh, mm -hmm. I just think it's really cool that we have libertarians expanding outside of libertarianism because we could talk about political stuff, but, you know, it's like, well, what did you build? What are you leaving behind? And I hope that in the wake of this show that I'm able to leave people the tools to make themselves better people. Um, and I think through your show, you've let people know not only how corrupt the government is, but you're doing something very, in a very, very similar vein. And I think Mark's doing something in his own respect in a similar fashion. And I'm sure Brian will even do something similar where, you know, we're all trying to bring about um, something to make the libertarian space a better space, to not just be more people screaming at the sky. And I think we need more of that. We don't need more people parroting the same libertarian principle talking points. We need more people yeah. doing stuff. And part of the Mises Caucus community aspect is very, very um, essential and kind of what I'm getting at here because you have a community. It's not just this loose association of people. You have actual coalitions and different tribes, different networks in different areas that can, you know, manifest and do different things that don't have to be political. So that shit just fascinates the fuck out of me, man. Yeah. 100% agree with you, man. And mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you were one of the I would say one of the first ones, I think you really were who um, really took a show that as a libertarian and just started, just went off in, in a direction. And I mean, it's, it's been inspiring to me, honestly. I mean, it's, it's gave me the confidence to kind of do a similar thing. So I appreciate that, man. 
I do. Well, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, that's, I think probably one of the biggest po- uh, compliments that you could give a podcast or <laughs> a podcast, you know, they encourage you to do something else with your podcast. So yeah, dude, hopefully this kind of has a, a ripple effect and, um, you know, we see a little bit more of the other sides of people, not just the fact that they're libertarians. I want to know what everybody does outside of that, because that's where we can really kind of build friendships from there. I just had a, Jacob Winograd on and me and him literally talked about automotive stuff for like 45 minutes to almost an hour. And then the last like half hour of the show was like libertarian stuff. So it's not, once again, I don't want to be a one trick pony. I'm a musician. I'm an athlete, um, personal trainer, mechanic, libertarian. I'm not one thing and I don't want to just be one of those things. So I, I, you know, as cliche as it is, I kind of want to be the change I want to see in the movement. So I'm going to put it out there and hopefully people kind of follow suit and hopefully we all kind of build a better movement and see a little bit more freedom and liberty in our lifetime, man. Yeah. And we, we, I was going to say we need more Yinzer podcasters, but we probably don't. <laughs> we just need the, the current Yinzer podcasters, me and you, we need our audiences to grow because the world needs more Yinzer. <laughs> yeah, dude, for real. All right. Uh, well, yeah, man, this was a uh, really good time. We'll definitely do it again. So uh, yeah, if you just want to let everybody know one more time where they can find you, um, we'll uh, close her out. Yeah, Lions of Liberty, Finding Freedom, check it out. Cool. Links will be below. And uh, until next time, everybody, rock and roll and take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.